Can you believe we have Derek Klena on the podcast this week? I know. Everyone's been asking, and we finally delivered. And just so you know, before you go ahead and listen to this episode, you can actually watch it, too, on Patreama, which is our bonus content platform through the website patreon.com backslash the drama podcast you can spend five dollars a month think of it as skipping one venti coffee or something of the like and you can support connor and i our podcast all of our collaborators and you can also get exclusive content like i mentioned you can watch our convo with derek you can see all the magic happening in the room you can also watch vid- the video of us with Celia rose gooding the video of us with jackie cox and bonus episodes where we answer sizzling questions such as which housewife of Potomac should be on Broadway and insider tea about the guests that we've had and just so much more. So why don't you head on over to patreon.com backslash the drama podcast and you'll get all of the special bonus treats. All right, now on to the show. Press play, curtain up an hour in, it's time to take spin, with shade and tea to spill, ooh, ooh drama, oh that's a tweet, did they book, who got an they option, no, oh I'm not well, what, what star will we, we talk, talk to today? today, oh that's a gag, honey, say no more, drama, Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New New York York City. City. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell, and it is the holiday season in full swing. But before we talk about anything, I'm I'm mad at Connor. We're fighting. We have have literal drama, and Mm -hmm. I think we have to come, you know, very Jada Pinkett Smith. We need to bring ourselves to the red table for a red table talk. I'm, I feel very attacked that for months and months we've been doing these Zoom calls from within our humble home, and every time I take a sip of iced coffee, Connor says that it clinks loudly, and it's like bad ASMR to the listeners. It really, it, it is that way, Dylan. And, and because I, we famously don't listen back to the episodes. I have no idea what we discuss. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. We sometimes do. Are we like showing our hands here? But Connor was rude to me before we recorded. He said, you need to mute yourself anytime you take a sip, and now I'm just sad oh my god it's the listeners will thank both of us for this but Dylan there's other things we need to talk about really quick because we need we have not discussed this on the pod yet but the Grammy nominations have come out they did and I'm feeling some type of way that Chromatica Lady Gaga's album was not nominated for album of the year it was it was the best album of the year for me I mean come on it was from start to finish this cohesive amazing work of artistry. It, I mean, and I also feel bad because of the pandemic because there were such, it had such potential to be so visual. You know, we got a couple of music videos from her, but we rain, got rain on me, rain on me. Aside from blinding lights might've been the biggest song of the year for me. I mean, the features on Chromatica are great. She's never sounded better vocally. It is so good. And I can't believe it didn't get nominated for album of the year. Um, I know it's a bummer. I was disappointed that the chicks didn't get any nominations. I know that is sad. I love them. Especially because the last time at the Grammys, they dominated. They did. Like 14 years ago or something like that. Oh, my Maybe God. 13. And, of course, Folklore got a bunch of nominations. Yeah. We stand Taylor Swift. But That's my album of the year. I know. I mean, it, I think it'll win, and it is great. But you know what bugs me is Taylor in her Miss Americana documentary was like, you know, it shows her getting the call from her manager or whatever, and they're like, you know, you didn't get any nominations for Reputation. And she's like sitting there, she's devastated. She's like, well, I need to make a better album. And then I saw on Twitter, people were tweeting like, you know, the meme where it's like how it started, how it's going. And it was like how yeah. it started. And it had the clip of her in Miss Americana. And it was like, I need to make a better album. And then it shows all the nominations for Folklore for how it's going. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's awesome for her. But then I thought about it for a second. And I was like, wait a minute. Wasn't the whole point of the documentary that Taylor was trying to reckon with the fact that she seeks approval and recognition in the way she came up and the way she, in the industry and the way she was raised and everything. And she's really trying to learn how to find, you know, love and satisfaction from within. And so I was like, oh, man, I mean, I love it for her that she got these nominations and it certainly deserves it. But I was like, this journey here, I know. I don't know. I, I feel like Folklore is an amazing album. Reputation is a good album. Why do we need awards to tell us what's good or bad? I think it's awesome when you are recognized by these big award circuits like the Grammys or the Emmys because they are the biggest award shows for that industry. But I think, you know, we can also decide 
what kind of art we love ourselves without it. And it, of course, it's a huge dream and amazing thing to be nominated or even win. But I think that there are things that I love that have never won Grammys before. I mean, Katy Perry's never won a Grammy and her Teenage Dream album is one of the best pop albums of the 2010s. So anyway, that's all I have to say about that. I hear what you're saying. And I I, want to move on because the Grammys are very relevant because our guest today is Grammy nominated through Jagged Little Pill. But I think that the issue with any awards except for the Tonys is that there's, it's such a big like music TV film. There's such a breadth of things that could be nominated. Whereas with the Tonys, there's only so many shows that open on Broadway every year. So I feel like the Tonys is the most accurate, like, polling of what's out on broadway whereas like i mean hundreds of songs and albums come out every single year in thousands not can you really pick thousands even yeah um so i think that that's why it, i don't really care about that as much but i i do always care about which albums are nominated for theater and of course i care about the tonys and everything so it's just fun it is so fun. All right. Can we please bring our guest in? We need to bring him in. We, we cannot squander a second of time with him. This is a huge get for us. I'm so excited. I'm thrilled. Oh, my God. Okay. So our guest today is a SoCal boy turned Broadway sensation, known for his leading roles, for stealing hearts, and for commanding stages with his charm and talent. He was most recently nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Role in a Musical for creating the role of Nick Healy in Jagged Little Pill. Before the Tony nomination, he splashed onto the New York theater scene in the off-Broadway revival of Carrie as Tommy Ross, followed by originating the role of Eddie Birdlace in Pasig and Paul's Dogfight. He danced into the white pants as Fiero in the 10th anniversary company of Wicked on Broadway, followed by creating Michael in the Bridges of Madison County. Are you fully gagged? He starred as Boogie in the Cheryl Crow musical Diner shortly before skyrocketing to modern teen idol status as Dimitri and Anastasia on Broadway. Fans of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt will recognize our guest as the singular DJ Fingerblast, having also appeared on television in The Code, Quantico, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Blue Bloods, Law and Order SVU, and The Carrie Diaries. He's a baseball star, the new Prince of Broadway, and available to connect on Broadway Plus. We are obsessed. Please welcome to drama Derek Klena. <laughs> hey guys. Man, that was like the best intro I could have, I've ever gotten. I need to like, I need to like buy that off you guys. That's, that was uh, amazing. We'll just send it to you. We'll send it to you for free. <laughs> you guys are the <laughs> ultimate hype men. That was amazing. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, you deserve it. We, we absolutely are so happy to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Oh my God. As I was reading all that, I realized I love literally everything you've ever been in. Everything. You've been in so many huge sensations. I mean, truly, whether it was something like more intimate, like dogfight or something as big as Jagged Little Pill or Anastasia. I'm like, come on, you're killing it, Derek. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I know I've been really lucky to work with some amazing, amazing people over the years. And that's, I mean, that's why we do theater. The the thing that I love most about this medium of art is the collaborative effort and the type of relationships you build with people and and working with people over a long period of time. So I'm just so grateful and and lucky to have had some amazing experiences along the way. Uh, Well, we're we're the lucky ones because you are so freaking talented. So thanks for sharing that with us. (laughs) Uh, Before we jump into anything on your resume or anything that's going on, we'd just love to ask our guests, like, how you're doing. Are you well? I'm I'm very well. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, all things considered, we are are happy, healthy, uh, hunkered down in New York City right now. Um, my wife and I have family in California. Everybody, everybody's doing well. Um, no COVID cases within the family. Oh, thank goodness. So, so you know, we are having a, a healthy holiday so far, which is um, as much as you can ask for. So, uh, yeah. How about you guys? How are you guys doing? We're doing well as well. Yeah, yeah. same. We actually finally, I, I don't mean to say it like this, is like it, we were waiting for it, but two of our cousins, you know, it's been months and months and months have finally gotten COVID. So it, that's been kind of scary, but they're both fine. Um, right. Both in their early 20s too, which is like spooky as can be. I, I mean, I feel like getting COVID right now, one, there are so many different ways to treat it now. There are like a lot mm-hmm. more options. You get your results back quicker. So I feel like the anxiety around it isn't, even though it's super relevant and it's spreading like wildfire, it is more manageable to kind of wrap your head around being uh, when, you, when you do get it, like these are the symptoms. This is what I can expect. 
Hopefully it's not one of the major uh, severe cases. I don't want to belittle it in any way because yeah. it can get super severe. Um, but I did, I actually had COVID early on in March during the shutdown. I missed the last three performances leading up to the shutdown because I was sick, but didn't oh, know wow. I had COVID at the time because testing wasn't available. And then right when everything shut down, my doctor was like, we now have COVID tests. You should come in and get tested because your symptoms matched up. So I was like, okay, came in three days later, found out that I had it. The week after that, found out that half of our cast had come down with it. Yeah. So it was, it was scary. And, and luckily, there is more and more data coming out that, you know, the vaccine is promising. And um, so hopefully that gets released into the world soon and we are able to uh, return to doing what we love. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so sorry that your, uh, was your cousin? Yeah. That came down yeah. COVID? Oh man, how are they doing? They're okay. They were miserable okay. through Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Had no sense of taste on Thanksgiving. Isn't that awful? Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> I know. It's the worst symptom to begin with, but on Thanksgiving, that's just like double win. Oh man. I'm glad yeah. you're okay, Derek. Um, wait, yeah. Connor. And I... Luckily, all my senses came back too. So I hope. I hope. I hope they they kept some leftovers and that there's there's comes back before it goes bad. Oh yeah. yeah, I actually saw it in my cousin's Insta story. He was making a turkey on like Sunday, so maybe he's better now. I don't know. Okay. Oh yeah, he's, he's like, I'm yeah. just gonna eat my Thanksgiving next week. I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. push it back a week. Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, Connor and I have this new segment that we're joking about adding into the podcast <laughs> called "Will You Take the Vaccine?" Because there's all these things coming. I out love about it. it. Do you think you'll take it? Um. I have a complicated history with vaccines, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I we don't need like to take whether, your medical record. <laughs> well, like, well, like, whether I take it or not, I pretty much come down with like every disease there is. So I'm oh, wow. kind of like, like last year, I, I usually don't get the flu shot. And then heading into um, oh, our show, Jagged Little Pill, opened in the fall. So I was like, you know, I should probably get it now so that I don't get it during the run, like severely. But we were, we were like starting previews at the time when I got it. And I ended up getting like really sick with the flu for like two weeks and it took like three or four weeks for it to finally clear through. So <sighs> I don't know. Now that I've had it and experienced it, I'd almost, no, I'm not going to say I'd almost rather get it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if I will. Yeah, That's we'll still, see. It's still we'll a patent see. pending. Yeah, we'll see. Although, although the percentage of it working is much higher than the flu vaccine, which is yeah. super promising. So, or or many other vaccines, which is which is amazing. So it is amazing. I don't know, maybe I will. Maybe I will. I, I'm definitely yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to do it. I've thought about it a lot. It's been a, a history journey on this podcast, but I'm going to do it. I decided. I know Connor talked to Celia about it. it like two weeks ago. I, I forget what she said because, like I said, I don't remember anything we talk about. She was like, she was like, I'm going to wait and see, kind of how it how it goes. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to let everyone else sink the ship uh -huh. and then uh, I'll decide whether I get in the boat. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber took it and he seems to be doing well. So No, it's amazing. And we should, and, you know, I, I should be supporting it. And I should be telling people that, you know, this is a step in the right direction. This is a step towards all of us getting back to normalcy. So by all means, I'm in full support of the vaccine. And yeah. you, you know what? You know what? I will take it. <gasps> I love that. I will, I will take it. I'm going to put my foot down. Regardless of whether I get COVID again, I am going to take the vaccine because it is the step in the right direction mm -hmm. to that. us, you know, squashing this thing. Yeah. So, yes. Yes. And you know, if you if you change your mind about it, we can edit this entire section of the episode <laughs> out. <'cause> I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, well, Derek, but, um, Derek has, since then, Derek has taken the vaccine and instantly regrets his choice. <laughs> like the post, the post script put in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Okay, wait. So well, we have to touch on we have to touch on Jack a Little Pill. I I know that it's. It's the hot show. Everyone is talking about it. Were you sick lat like before or after opening then last fall? I was, I was sick like all the way through previews. Oh I don't gosh. know why, but like we, I remember we got our flu shots as a company like during tech, um, which is probably not the best time to take a flu shot when you're like just worn down and tired and it's like the home stretch. So maybe that's uh -huh. why I got sick too. But I was kind of sick through previews, and then by by opening, I was I was getting back getting back to normal. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 been an amazing experience. This is a show I've been a part of since its beginning, since its very first reading. So to see it go through um, 
all the peaks and valleys of this journey uh, has been has been pretty wild. But the fact that the show has been acknowledged the way it has through awards and through our audiences and um, and reviews and so forth, uh, it, it's been amazing to watch the impact. And I think it will have even a greater impact after all of this is over with in this new world socially and politically that we're going to be in in 2021. I think it's going to be important for our show to remount and, uh, and, and send these messages out into the world with this new invigorated, excited audience. So it's something that we're looking forward to. Oh, I love that. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause I was actually thinking about that. I was thinking about the shows that opened, you know, in 2019, 2020 and like slave play, Jagged Little Pill, these shows that had these amazing messages about what it means to be a black person in America, how they're, you know, treated, how they walk through life every single day. And especially in Slave Play, which we saw a couple of times, it was interesting. Sometimes the audience was in, sometimes they were out. And, you know, it was really, it really depended on the moment if if they were ready to receive that message. And then 2020 happens, George Floyd dies, Black Lives Matter completely mobilizes. And I think specifically white people in America are finally ready to have these conversations about, you know, race, everything. And I was thinking about slave play and Jagged Little Pill. And I was like, I wonder how they would be seen next, you know, now that we've had this reckoning and hopeful moves forward and, you know, trying to make it a, the, the country a better place for everybody. Um, I don't know. I think Jagged Little Pill will carry such a stronger message specifically for the Frankie character, you know? It'll be really interesting. To, it, it'll be like putting the show through previews again because mm-hmm. the audience reaction to things will be so different. Um, because of these shows um, like Slave Play, which is an, an incredibly in, impactful and incredibly challenging. Um, and it is, it is, I, I don't want to say, well, I mean this in the best sense of the world. It, it, it's an exhausting piece. It's, and I think it's meant to be. Yeah. I think it's meant to be challenging to sit through and to watch and to experience all of this pretty um, intense stimulus that you're, that you're enduring through this, um, through this journey. Um, and, and, and I think our show in, in a lot of the same way is, is the same. It, it's kind of relentless. It doesn't let you off the hook there. It's just getting hit with like one punch after another. And then the end kind of brings everyone together in such a beautiful way, but it's going to be interesting to see how audiences respond to this, this relentlessness after experiencing 2020 because i feel like after you've made it through this year it's been (laughs) this year as well has been like just one punch after the next i think people people now instead of being like whoa that's a lot will be like whoa that's amazing i'm excited about that and i think there's going to be a different a different perspective and a different motivation to uh to celebrate that rather than um you know take it in ponder let it settle and then respond i think it's going to be more of a celebratory return especially for shows that deal with some of these um these pivotal uh social issues especially right now um so it'll be cool it'll be cool for us to experience and hear the feedback and the gasp and the, and the <laughs> applaud and and all the and all the things um it's the beauty of live theater so we're excited for it oh can't oh, wait yeah. And Derek, you're fantastic in Jagged Little Pill. We saw it last January and we talked to many of your co-stars. But I, I just, I'll never forget seeing you sing Perfect, which such a gorgeous song and hearing it, the the gender being flipped on the song was fascinating. I mean, it, it, it just, the way that it was interpreted for the show and with your character was beautiful. I mean, I remember my, my boyfriend was sobbing during that song because it's just so relatable and there's so every single character you, you know that them you know, watching it on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also remember during the show, I believe you sang while doing push-ups, which was a, a, <laughs> a, a feat. <laughs> I, I definitely did, yeah. Um, Nick is an overachiever, so uh-huh. therefore Derek must be as well. Um, and then you got a Tony nomination. <laughs> yeah, there you can see, that's the secret. That's the secret uh-huh. right there. You just have to do uh, aerobic, anaerobic exercises uh-huh. while performing, and that's the secret to success. <laughs> <laughs> oh man congrats oh thank you thank you guys yeah it's um the music I, that's one thing about alanis is her music kind of transcends race gender sex um uh everything it's the messages are so universal and i think that's why so many people were able to connect or are able to connect to our show um and the world that we've kind of placed this in is that every 
every piece of it you can really is is so relatable in that way like whether you um set those expectations for yourself like nick has high expectations for himself his parents set high expectations of of him and perfect is kind of about living up to that pedestal living up to that thing that has been built for you that you don't really have full understanding of as as an adolescent as a kid verging into adulthood and i think we've all experienced that um and 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 whether you if you haven't experienced that expectation of perfection you we've all had complicated relationships with our parents and can Mm -hmm. relate to the constant struggle that's there so you know all of these characters that's just nick but every character has been written so beautifully and and with this music just to complement our uh our trajectory throughout the show it's been really really cool and weirdly seamless to kind of, you know, you think about jukebox with quotations, jukebox musicals (laughs) and like, and you just think that like, okay, here's a plot and then you drop a song and then here's a plot and then we're singing about it. And, but like, but our show, I feel like Diablo Cody's been like such a beautiful way um, to complement these songs so seamlessly. And it, it, you know, it just kind of, the, the through line is so fluid um, and a lot of that is a tip of the hat to Tom Kitt as well, who, oh, yeah. does, you know, arranges better than anyone on this planet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he he found a way to kind of dip in and out so seamlessly. So it made it so easy for us and exciting for us to kind of do that freely. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I certainly think that it sets the standard. Like the bar is now way higher for anything that's called a jukebox musical now because it's just it's it's true art. It's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, it can yeah. be done. It can. <laughs> um, really quick about Jagged Little Pill. I'm wondering, what is your favorite scene that you get to be in in that show? Um, favorite scene. It's pretty heavy for your character almost the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it it's tricky. Like when people say that, I'm like, ah, <laughs> not, no, no particular scene is fun to do. Yeah. Because it because this show is the, probably the most challenging physically and emotionally I've ever, especially emotionally, but like physically that I've ever uh, experienced just because of the, one, the magnitude of the subject, um, the importance of the subject. So every line, every second, we feel a responsibility to honor and support with utmost integrity and and requires a different level of focus that I've never had to really um I'm always focused but <laughs> but um this one specifically I, I'm just it's it's mentally physically emotionally draining um but going back to your question the the moment of the show that I think I is one of my m- more favorites to 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 be a part of is the transition um from the party scene earlier in the show through wake up. I think that's kind of my character's slippery, slippery slope down and to kind of connect those dots and, and, and point Nick in the direction that he'll be heading for the rest of the show. It's kind of a pivotal couple scenes that I get a part of. And it's also uh, a chunk of the show that I'm kind of a part of every scene. So I get to kind of gain momentum through, which is also hard about being a supporting actor. Um, you have a very specific role to the plot. And, but a lot of the times you're in and out, you have these chunks of, of show that you're a part of. So you have to kind of mentally prepare yourself to re-enter the show. Oh, so for that, mm. for that, and it's tricky, you know, when you're, for instance, in Anastasia, when I was Dimitri, I was on stage the entire time, which was amazing. And it almost makes your job easier because you never break you're constantly yeah. in it. So you get to ride that momentum. But when you're coming out as a supporting actor, you get shot out of a cannon and then you have maybe 10, 15 minutes off. And then you have to get shot out of a cannon again and be right back in emotionally present, physically present, right when you enter the stage and catch up to the rest of the show. You know, so, yeah. so, th- so that's another part of Wake Up is I kind of get to string some scenes together and develop a momentum through that that portion and wake up is just such a cool number and it's one of the it's one of the first numbers of the show where the entire cast is on stage together everybody Uh is is in in uh struggling with their own journey at that point it's it's a really kind of cool cacophony of music and movement through that section so it's 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 grown to be one of my favorite 
Oh, I love that answer. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see it again. And we, we have our tickets for the, uh, the concert on the 13th, which I think this All will right. air after the yeah. concert. So we're really excited, though. It's going to be great. Um, okay, so going back, we, this is your most recent theater credit, but we always like to ask about what sort of was that moment that got you into the business. And I'll let Connor mm. take it away from here. Well, Dylan, you really teed me up here. Do you like that little baseball or was it would it be like a yeah. t-ball I, I'm, yeah it's, it, hey you know what sports <laughs> reference i'm all about there we go it. Huh? it sure did you could it's like a golf hybrid golf slash t-ball reference oh okay yes. Very good. <laughs> i love this i love it well, two two birds and one stone yes. um we like to ask our guests about their ring of keys moment that moment of recognition when maybe you you know maybe it could have been a, a film you saw or a book you read or an onstage performance that made you realize, oh my gosh, I want to be a part of this. It needs to be a part of my life. This is what I want. Do you have a ring of keys moment, Derek? Yeah. Um, there's a there's definitely a couple like milestones throughout your life, um, but one specific moment. I, I was a huge fan of Next to Normal, like every other theater kid on this planet. Uh, when when I was in high school. And I remember seeing Next to Normal on Broadway and seeing most of the full uh, original Broadway cast and just sobbing at the end of the show. I think it was one of the most impactful theater experiences that I had been a part of. I'm not a big crier. Up until Jacket Little Pill, now like open the floodgates, I watch like, you know, anything on TV and I start crying. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I think that's 2020, that's 2024. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But it was watching Next to Normal. I remember sitting in like the front mez, which I love. It's one of my favorite seats of the theater. I love, especially it was at the, the Booth Theater, which yes. is more intimate space, had a lower mezzanine. It's, it was just the best seat in the house. And just taken back by this performance, by this experience, overwhelmed with like the last, um, the last number of light. Um, in next to normal is just so beautiful. And I, I just remember like sobbing. I was there with my mom and it was one of those experiences where I was like, I have to do that. Oh, and it's a, it's an experience that I always remember because it, it was, you know, it was probably one 200, their 250th performance at that point, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I have to remember that when we're doing these long, tedious, um, you know, Broadway runs where, you're doing the same show eight, eight shows a week. It's physically physically taxing, mentally taxing. But there are so many people out there that are seeing this for the first time and may have that same experience. So that was one for me, and I take that with me and try to uh, – and that's what, that's what keeps me going and, and keeps me sane and focused through uh, – through the ups and downs of an eight show week. <laughs> I love uh, so, that. That's so cool. And, and yeah, I mean, I, we talked to Alice Ripley over the summer about next to normal. It's one of our favorite shows of all time. Um, imagine doing that one eight times a week. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's like MJ, like uh, in our show, she, she's mm-hmm. just like, she gets put through the ringer and experiences every type of emotion. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. And yeah so uh, I, I was lucky enough to see Alice's performance and she was just, a freak. <laughs> did you see? Did you did you see Aaron Tveit? Aaron was the only one I didn't see. Okay. Because yeah. yeah, he was. I think he was in and out because of catch me if you can things. Maybe probably. Or, uh, yeah. I don't know. He's always working. He's always doing. That was how we things. saw it. He too. was the only. He was the only person I didn't see. I think I saw Kyle D. Massey do it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, how, that's that's who we saw as well. Yeah, and he was great. Absolutely great. He was. Um, yeah. How cool then that you are in a, a, uh, a show that involves Tom Kitt years later too, you know? Oh I mean? man. Like, yeah. It, it went since then, because I saw, I saw that when I was earlier in high school, sophomore ish. Um, and then I actually did a reading with Tom in LA. He was working on a movie, a movie, a movie musical of sweet Valley high. Oh, um, with, <laughs> this is a weird, weird full circle moment with Diablo Cody. Oh, Diablo wow. Cody was writing the book. So I that. did, oh my gosh, it was hilarious. And we did a reading and for whatever reason, it got like, you know, put on hold. But um, so that was like the first time I got to work with Tom and Diablo in LA when I was, when I was in, I think, no, it was, it was after Next Normal. So I was in college at this point. It was right before I moved out to New York. And since then I've had the opp- like, opportunity to work with Tom on multiple projects. And he's just one of like the best, most generous, guys there is um 
not to mention, you know, a, a musical genius. Yeah, genius. But I mean, I've told him about this story of Next to Normal a couple times, and um, I'm just so thankful that I can now call him a friend, and I've gotten to work with him so much, so many times. I and mean, he's he's a legend in my eyes, and he kind of he kind of changed my changed my world when it comes to theater and and what motivates me and what drives me. So I thank him every day, and and I hope to work with him dozens more times because he's 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 literally the best he's so great now okay so speaking of him connor and i are so curious about wasn't weren't you both also attached to the magic mike musical we sure were that was one of the yeah one of the many that i've gotten to work with him on oh i love it and I, I I don't know what's going on with that show anymore. I feel like it just kind of fell apart. Yeah, I think they ran into some creative differences when it came yeah. to because um, it's such a big beast of a thing. It's kind of grown into more than the movie. They have a live experience in Vegas, so I know yeah. and his producing partners had a very specific vision of how they wanted it to be. So who knows? Maybe they're still uh, taking it back to the table and reworking some things. And that Magic Mike will make a we'll bust onto the scene in 2021. Yes. I don't know if, I don't know if it'll be with me, but were, um, were you playing, Mike, were you playing Mike himself? I, I was playing Mike himself. <laughs> Love it. You know, that <laughs> it was great. I mean, uh, the music was fantastic. It was, it was uh, Brian Yorkie and Tom Kitt. Uh, <sighs> and so I don't know, it, but yeah, they were, they were trying to figure it out. Like, like all creative processes, you, it's like, it's a puzzle and you try to make every puzzle piece fit. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what see. happens, Mac and Mike. But that was a great experience. I was just honored to be playing Channing. <laughs> I, was like, I know. How crazy. I was like, I was like, all right, guys. I'll just I'll just take this as a compliment and I'll just yeah. do my best. But it's it's it, but it was it was kind of a, it was different than the movie in the way that it was more autobiographical or it was more um biographical. It was more about his his like being a sports kid in college and then and then getting a job at a strip club as a uh, uh, just to make money, and then them discovering he had the ability to dance like that, and then he ended up making a lot of money doing this and right. and supporting his dad, and and he did it just to like support his family. So uh, it was a really cool story, uh, but bizarre to be doing that right in front of Kenny Tatum. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even imagine. That is crazy. You know, as you're talking about Magic Mike being a musical, I think Hustlers would make a great musical. Did you see that? Oh yeah. That would be so good. You know what was interesting? That one, that one may be uh, more more socially uh, fulfilling getting into 2021. Agree, agree. <laughs> but you know, what was interesting about... We don't have Empowering. To talk, yeah. We, we, Empowering. We, don't, we don't have to talk about Magic Mike that much, but I remember seeing the movie after hearing about it so much and it was so much darker than I ever thought it was going to be. I, I guess I just thought it was, was going like to be... an indie. It felt like an indie movie. Truly. Yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy, but interesting. Anyway, we needed to ask you about Magic Mike because I was like, we, we, yeah. we were fully it, it, planning it to happen. go. We were like, we need yeah. to go to Boston and see it. Like, it's happening. <laughs> Um, okay, so I want to go back, back, back to Dogfight, which, oh my God, we actually just watched the movie for the first time ever. It is so good. I think, oh my God, we were like crying watching it. I think they were both, uh, River and Lily gave such, um, sensitive, empathetic performances. It was just wild. Were you familiar with the movie before you got involved with the musical? I wasn't. I watched the movie when I got the audition just to kind of wrap my head around. I, 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 in, the, in the breakdown, it was like, this is, you know, an adaption of this movie. So I watched it just to kind of figure what it was about. It was amazing. And first of all, I was like floored by this role. I was like, this role is amazing. Um, and then with Bench and Justin's music, it was like, dang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Um, that is another, uh, like talking about Ring of Keys moments, that was another moment for me. I mean, getting cast in that role it was you know i i had had already like been there doing it but that was another like Mm -hmm. life-changing moment for me i think getting that opportunity to work with joe uh joe mantella who directed and working with Lindsay and benjamin justin and peter duchana wrote the book and and chris catelli choreographed right after he won right he won the tony i think during rehearsals for uh yeah he won the tony for newsies while we were rehearsing dogfight and like, there's like barely any chore- choreography in Dogfight, but where there is, like, if, if you go, like, there's bootlegs and stuff floating yeah. around. But okay. <laughs> his work is incredible, and it gets overlooked. But like, getting to work with Chris, 
it was just an embarrassment of riches. Um, I was 20, 20 years old. I didn't know oh what God. I didn't know. Um, and, and Joe took a chance on me and, and really taught me how to be a responsible actor. You know, I, I grew up with a lot of singing training, but I didn't have a whole lot of formal acting training. So that was definitely like an acting boot camp. He definitely, he put Lindsay and I through the ringer, but we are so <laughs> thankful. I, and I just seen him do Normal Heart, which was one of the most amazing performances oh. I've ever seen in my life. So walking into the audition room, being greeted by him, I was kind of in shock. And then getting to work with him on that, I was humbled, uh, but still in shock. And uh, it was a life-changing experience. It really taught me how to break down a role and attack it. And it, and it was the biggest role that I had, had um as a professional actor and the responsibility that goes along with that um a really really incredible experience and one that will always be kind of like up there um oh i can imagine yeah top tops for me it's it's interesting too because i feel like i mean you've obviously played dimitri and i i see you as like this like hero type guy and in the character of eddie he's he's complicated i don't want to i don't know if i'd call him an anti-hero but his intentions are aren't really in the right place at the beginning but obviously he has his change of heart and everything i would be so interested to see you play this role and just see these different sides of of your interpretation of it you know what's really funny about dogfight and i think like that's what i love about eddie so much is that he shows both sides of the spectrum he shows him being this jerk like stereotypical pardon my French asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but then, but then he, he has redemption. He, he's yeah. changed and they change each other and they, the way that they complement each other is so beautiful in, in the piece and you get to see this full journey. So that was really rewarding about that role. But funny, funny story went after that. I was new to the city and it was kind of a lot of people's first time seeing what I can do. So I got brought in for a lot of like film and TV things after that. It was just like drug, drug dealer, (laughs) like all of like these mean dudes. (laughs) They were like, Oh yeah, Derek's definitely going to play an asshole on our show. Like in the first two TV gigs I had one, it was on the tomorrow people. And I was like a drug dealer, like bully at the high school. And then, and then the next one I think was, um, it was oh yeah I, I was on uh, SVU and I was a college rapist and I was oh, just like oh God. So I had I was like on a roll for a bit just playing the biggest meanest bullies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of funny. It's kind of funny how like whatever show or project you're doing, people are like, oh yeah, he's totally that guy. Yeah, um, so right. it, you know they can't get that image out of your mind. Um, but yeah, I've been lucky to kind of like show different sides of the spectrum but i do like playing the tar- the the darker roles um mm-hmm. i i do think like yeah i don't know like the, the dimitri type role is is so fun and honestly and, and it was an amazing opportunity but i do i do like the dark i like to embrace a little bit of that nitty-gritty Ooh, well i guess tommy it. in in carrie is sort of there's some eddie in tommy i think i don't know i mean he's, he's nicer yeah I could have brought more Eddie to talk, <laughs> but I, I, I when I was like 19 when I was doing Tommy. So I was just like, yeah, he's the jock guy. He's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> he's really, but yeah, there, there may be some darker elements to that as well, but he is definitely like Tommy Ross is definitely more. I feel like Nick in Jagged Little Pill is like, the new age version of Tommy. Oh, yes. You know, Nick, I think has a lot more of that darkness than, than Tommy did. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, and that's why he's also rewarding to play. Um, but also difficult because of the <laughs> not so nice things that he's a part yeah, of. Right. Um, but no, Nick's, Nick's a good guy. We like him. He is. Now, speaking of Dimitri, our listeners would, kill us if we didn't talk to you about anastasia we the the fanastasias are a devoted group of fans they truly 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 lifted that show up and i think we had zach adkins was one of our first guests on the podcast and they found us through him and they have been requesting you and chrissy forever but so i guess this is finally our moment to talk to you about anastasia um what was that experience like for you to take this loved you know, cartoon 
to the Broadway stage. I think so many people were excited for that show, ourselves included. You know, that was awesome. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I've had a lot of really cool moments, but like Dogfight kind of changed my perspective of acting and, and made me like an adult actor. I feel like, uh, like a, like a, like a professional actor. That's the first time that I felt like I, I actually could call myself that. Um, and, and Anastasia was a next step up. That was the first time that I got to play a role of this magnitude, a centerpiece role in a Broadway production, in an original Broadway production um, based off a film that I was a huge fan of growing up. Dimitri was always one of those characters. I was a 90s baby. When, when yeah. Anastasia oh, yeah. came out, I was a huge fan. It was always one of those roles, that Hunchback and Hercules, that I was like, those are the guys. Like, <laughs> if they make these musicals, I want to play one of those guys. Yeah. It, but it, a lot of that, just a lot of luck goes into that and circumstance. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time when they were casting for Anastasia and happened to read with Christy in the callbacks and have the team just be like, that is what we want that that's that's what we're looking for and it worked and i had that that history with working um working on carrie with christy and yeah. so oh, right. having that having that comfort in the room at the callback was it was a huge gift i mean when do you get to do that get to in such a nerve-wracking anxiety ridden or uh, you know driven situation having somebody that you know and trust across from you was a huge uh Huge gift. So start from then on, um, it, it was it was incredible. Also, Ragtime is one of my favorite musicals ever. So getting to work with that creative team between oh, yeah. uh, Aaron's and Flaherty and the late great uh, Terrence McNally, who's a mm -hmm. legend in his own right, um, it was amazing. And then Darko uh, Tresniak was fresh off his Tony for Gentleman's Guide. It was another it was another crazy crazy room to be a part of and to be. To have a role of that magnitude in um, in this uh, particular piece was super cool. And a lot of people ask, because Anastasia was an original show, but it was also based off the film, did I feel like a, a sense of, was I nervous about like bringing this animated thing to the stage or having to replicate a role or a character that so many people have their own interpretation of? It was. It's kind of like, it almost felt like, like replacing or going into a show that exists, mm. but so much of our show had been rewritten. Terrence really did a great job of humanizing these characters. Um, the circumstances revolving around the characters were very different. Also, Dimitri didn't sing in the film. He sang right. a little bit in Rumor in St. Petersburg and a little bit and learned to do it. But in a way I got to create this, this voice for Dimitri from scratch, which was a huge honor. Um, and kind of relieved me of that burden of having to live up to a specific mold or like live up to a specific um, caricature. Character, character, yeah. <laughs> I've, never, I've never had more difficulty saying a word. Um, <laughs> but like live up to that thing that people held near and dear. And, and the most rewarding compliment and comment we got from audience members was it felt like Anastasia grew up with me. Like mm. I was skeptical coming into this, knowing that there was no bar talk, there was no dancing ghouls and stuff. And like, yeah. so they were like, I don't know what to expect, but they were all very pleasantly surprised at how we matured the show, matured the storyline. And uh, I'm, I was so glad that the fans were so supportive of that and applauded that. And um, we owe them so much because we are a, a consumer staple and we love our fans and we love, yes, our, we oh love yeah. our people. And, um, you know, we, so we need to tip our hat to the fans whenever possible. And our Fanastasias were lit. Lit. They, oh, yeah. They came in. They, they, they brought the heat. Um, so <laughs> we, were, we were super, super lucky to have a fan base like that. And, uh, yeah, another amazing, amazing experience. I'm sure you wouldn't have been surprised to walk out of the Jagged Stage store one night and find Christy Altamar still signing from Anastasia. I know. Yeah, we were in the same, <laughs> we're in the same theater. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're at the Broadhurst. Yeah, Christy's still on the corner. You know, bless her, bless her heart. She would be out there at least an hour and a half every night. And then our final performance, she was signing for, I think, three or four hours. Oh, my God. Yeah, that particular street, too, 
we had we had the corral or like this mm-hmm. like the railing like the signing railing going all the way down like through phantom of the opera yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, like to eighth avenue which was amazing but eventually we had to like cut it off and be like you know what christy everyone knows that you are this generous of a person and you would sign for days but mm-hmm. we got another show in a half hour <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh that's funny uh, but no she she is the best and most giving to her, her fans and, and uh, really anybody she's she's such a sweetheart and an amazing person and obviously performer so that's so oh, nice yeah. I, i've been lucky to work with some amazing uh counterparts on stage um oh yeah Lindsay, Catherine. Mm-hmm. um yeah now i have another question about something this is a non-theater project you worked on but the unbreakable kimmy schmidt so freaking funny you're in it almost feels kind of like theater though yeah like yeah like, a lot of theater a lot of theater people in that, in that oh show. yeah good good vibes oh yeah that's so sorry, true sorry, go oh you're good but i'm thinking about it now it's like titus jane carol kane carol. i did wicked with carol um she was my madam Morble. oh my god <laughs> kind of awesome when i got cast and i was like carol she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see you with her amazing voice. Uh, oh yeah, she's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, shame on me for trying to like imitate Carol. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I felt it, she's, I felt it. She's iconic. So um, iconic. But you were in like one or two episodes in season two and then three. And then what were your, what was your reaction when they're like, okay, so season four, we're going to give you a bottle episode that's all about DJ Fingerblast. This is your, it's, it's through your frame of experience here, looking at, you know, and then you, speaking of counterparts, you've got John Hamm. It's like, Oh my God, and Bobby crazy. Moynihan. Oh my God, yes. Oh, right. like, what, what was I doing? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. I felt, like, I felt like the worst actor, the most unprofessional, like unprofessional person on the planet because I couldn't get through a scene without just dying laughing. <laughs> Oh, because these guys are two geniuses and you know a lot of people know john from from um mad men yeah. right mm-hmm. they they see him play the dapper suave ladies man guy Don but Draper, he is maybe. but he is a a like stand-up improv comedy guy at heart and he is a genius so sitting there having having to play off bobby moynihan and john i was way out of my league but also like just trying not to mess up because i was like you know what i'm just gonna let them ride it ride it out yeah uh, they're, they're the masters um but th- th- it was so, okay so going back to that episode okay so when i first auditioned for the show uh in season two i the majority of my first episode was as douglas the dog masseuse, right? Right. And then, and, then, and then halfway through the episode, or only in like the very last scene of the episode, do we see like Jane Krakowski, uh, her character is like, what do you want to be? And I'm like, a DJ. And she's like, really? Okay. Like, go for that. And so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that. So there's a little scene at the end where I'm like, DJ Fingerblast. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And I like, I enter. And like, that's it. And then they asked me back for season three, but only as the DJ. Like once he was the DJ, he never went back. Yeah, so uh-huh. I was like, okay, I kind of have to figure out who this guy is now. Um, but like, I never really auditioned as that. So yeah. on season three, I came back. Luckily, it was just like it was just like a little scene that I ended up like DJing like a boat party. I remember yeah, like, Titus, like a Mets boat party that I rented Titus at. Like I'm just like a resident DJ for all the things. Um, and then, and then it sees, so season four rolls around and I'm doing Anastasia and I get, I get an email from my agent being like, they want to bring you back for this season. Um, you know, these are the dates they're planning on shooting this thing. Um, I'm working on getting like the outs for this week and everything. So I was like, okay, great. Yeah. It'd be awesome. I, I was thinking I'd be there for like a day. Um, and so when I get the script and I'm like, what? Party monster. DJ oh, Fingerblast. Yeah. And I just see like all of the DJ Fingerblast stuff. I'm like, this is, this is like the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, one, I don't think Anastasia knows how, how involved I'm going to be in this. And two, I was like, Randy, I'm going to be working like the whole week, if not two weeks. Yeah. Um, which was, it was amazing, but it, I was terrified, but excited at the same time to work with, with those people and to get that for, to get that like opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, I basically had to be like, okay, now not only do I have to figure out who this guy is, but I have to figure out like, 
who he was because the mm-hmm. whole the whole show the whole documentary was basically about like who DJ Fingerblast was like <laughs> uh-huh. where he came up from who his idols are like who his fiance is like who he is on a day-to-day basis and I was like oh man like I didn't I was not <laughs> anticipating this um so when, when we did it but, but you know the cool thing about that that set and that's like new life goals is to be a part of like a half hour comedy like that oh like, yeah okay, okay yeah, 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 yeah. Fe and the NBC people around wherever they go trying to get cast on one of those <laughs> mm-hmm. but um these 30 minute comedies they were just so open and ready for anything and like when you're doing a procedure or you're doing like a, a, a cop show or, or a doctor show, there's a very strict like timeline and the way things are shot and everything's done a very certain way in the drama um, that the network will approve of. But like one, we were working for Netflix Two, it was Tina Fey and her amazing team and the writers and, and um, they were so into like trying new bits and trying new things here and there and made this and made the environment so comfortable and our director, Riz Thomas, is one of the um, directors and creators of Documentary Now. With, oh, uh, you guys watch the name okay. Documentary Now? Yeah. Yeah, with John Mulaney. So, yeah, the, the yeah, company one. So he is like a genius at mockumentaries. I mean, that show is gold. So getting to work with him, and he, he, you know, he was so good about it because it's what he does and what, it's what he knows. And, um, but getting, getting to work on that and, and, be, and have it acceptable to fail and try new things, and, and they were open to any and all interpretations and, and a lot of the scenes we'd like just riff or improv or like try new lines here and there. It was such a fun, loose um, experience to be a part of and then to see the finished product <laughs> be what it was. Um, oh, it's amazing. So good. It was super cool. Um, yeah. It, it very, that was probably my top like film or like TV experience for sure. And now with new life goals to get cast on a 30 minute comedy like that. We're manifesting we'll manifest it. it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, put it out in the world. Uh-huh. Where do you think DJ Fingerblast is in 2020? Oh, gosh. I'm sure he was on the Trump campaign. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was DJing. No, he was DJing the rally. <laughs> for uh-huh. sure. He was for sure DJing the rally. He was playing Cats by Memory, and then it, um, everyone yeah. got upset but, with but him. He, but he doesn't know why he's there. <laughs> he exactly. Just, he just knows he got hired for a party, and so he mm-hmm. shows up. I think that's it. That's the MO with DJ Fingerblast is he finds himself in horrible situations, but he doesn't really know how he got there. (laughs) Uh, So that, uh, that's how I let DJ Fingerblast off the hook. You gotta love him. Who was his fiance? What was the story with that again? Cause it's been a few years now. She was a, I mean, she was a model. um, Okay. That he met in a really, um, yeah, not not the brightest bulb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so they were they were they were a match made in. Heaven. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Did you, they, did you channel some SoCal vibes for him? You know, there's like this. <laughs> my my close friends know like broy Derek, where uh, where I like bro out. I do on like this this personality that I kind of grew up doing, or like when I goof around with my friends, and then like. So I kind of just harnessed that and uh-huh. went a little bit more extreme and a little bit more like uh, politically incorrect with it. And they were like, perfect. <laughs> uh-huh. That's, That's so funny. Guy. I love it. Wait, spe- speaking of fiancés, you have a wife famously. I do. How did famously. she? She's a civilian. She'll, she'll be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's not an actor. She isn't. She is a, she is a, she's a real person. Um, <gasps> wow. No, we met, we met at UCLA um, when we were, I was 17, almost 18. So we've been together 11 years now. Oh married, God. married two. Um, Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. She's the best. She works in the fashion industry. She keeps me sane. And uh, it's, it's kind of awesome to have a, a partner who's, who's not in the industry because, you know, so much of our life revolves around, um, non-arts related things but yet we our, our worlds have collided in kind of an awesome way and at first it was very tricky to like navigate that and on oh, the sure. show schedule and she's in her work schedule we we hardly see each other um but uh you know it's we complement each other so well she's so supportive and my best friend and uh this year has been kind of cool that you know she's working in the next room we've we've seen more of each other this year than i've probably like the past 10 so wow so that is definitely a high point is one to to be able to see family 
when you can and to uh and to spend this amount of time with your loved ones and the people that you you know are, are part of your immediate life so that's oh, i love it that's been cool she's she's the best oh, I-, I remember in your solo show you sang from a star is born i'll always remember us this way it's so I good did, I did. oh i loved your solo show i mean a year and a half <laughs> later but it was so good well dylan 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 worked at 54 below so we would sometimes yeah. luckily get to see some of the stuff and oh my god what a great show derek for real i hey, loved hey, it i remember hey. you saying um from crazy ex-girlfriend West Covina. I did. Well, yeah, because I grew up in West Covina. <laughs> right, so right. So we felt like that was a, like, 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 the first show is always very, like, retrospective. Like, this is my mm-hmm. life. This is how I got my start. These are all, like, the things I've done. Uh, but so th- that was that version of the show. We couldn't, we couldn't start the West Covina segment off without singing right. the West Covina song. So, um, yeah, but I look forward to branching out in the next, uh, iteration of this of this concert and uh yeah. doing doing some more of like you know music i love and and especially based on the year that we've had uh experiences new things that we all hold near and dear the way that we're going to kind of approach our careers approach our lives i feel like so much has changed um yeah anyway i, I went on a segue but th- thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You're good. I started getting super meta. meta like, no, uh, I love that. Philosophical. Philosophical, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. With the, with the amazing Ben Rauhala, I have to give him a shout out because he's just the, 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 the maestro that is, that is everything. Uh, oh, yeah. So he was kind of my rock and, and amazing arranger and MD through all that. So Another genius. Love Ben. Yes. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, and of course, you sang for my favorite musical of all time, Catch Me If You Can. Is which it, I know. It's your favorite musical of all time? Favorite of all I, time. I love Catch Me If You Can. It was, mm-hmm. that, that was actually my first kind of big audition in New York was going in for Aaron's cover. Oh, um, right. I was in college and I'd sang goodbye. And this was kind of in my show, but I sang goodbye for a competition in, in the area or for a yeah, singing competition. Mark Shaman. I, a review got posted of a, of a show that I did in LA. It got posted. Mark Shaman got a Google alert, reached out to me on Facebook and was like, if you sing this again, send us a thing. So um, I was like, who are you? Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I was like, you know, 18 and naive. But um, so that, so I, I sang it again, sent it to him. And then he invited me out, um, put me in touch with casting, invited me out for final callbacks for to be Aaron's standby and catch me if you can. So I came to New York with my mom and uh-huh. had a dance call, a work session, two final callbacks. Um, and, you know, I didn't end up getting the role, uh, but I had a really good audition. Telsey was like, there's a couple other projects we'd like to bring him in for, one of which was Carrie. So oh, there that you go. Was, that's what led to Carrie. So yeah, I have a long history with uh, Catch Me If You Can. And wow. uh, I owe a lot of <laughs> what I'm doing now to that song and to Mark Shaman. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah. That's awesome. I, cool. I, I, I ran it. into Mark actually when we were rehearsing Anastasia, we were in the same building that they were rehearsing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. And, and I ran into Mark Shaman in the elevator and he's like, hey. I was like, hey, <laughs> like, I hadn't seen him in like years. I hadn't seen him in years. And then um, I remember he, him writing to me. He was like, yeah. Uh, he's like, I, you, you owe your career to my ego. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, was like I, I certainly do. Thank you for getting your Google alerts. Yeah, <laughs> I never. <laughs> or else, uh, you know, I'd still be at UCLA. Oh, um, wow, wow. But uh, no, he, yeah, so I, yeah, he, uh, that one fateful Facebook message. You never know where these oh, things are. Oh, that's too You never do. Oh my God. Yeah. All right, Derek, well, we are wrapping up and we like to right. end on a dose of drama. This could be something that's on your mind that's happening in, in real life. It could be a piece of pop culture you've been consuming, something going on in the world and news, anything at all you want to share with the listeners from your time in quarantine or this crazy year that we've had. Um, does anybody want to kick off their dose of drama today? Dylan, do you want to start? I truly have no idea what my dose of drama is. There's a lot of things jingling around in my head, but um, I just need to say it is surreal to be talking to you, Derek, because (laughs) I listen to you shine from Carrie all the time. And of course in a crowd of thousands, I'm a, I'm a ballad boy through and through. And so hearing your voice is truly crazy. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, let me think. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Oh my God, of course. Okay, my dose of drama is I am a low-key Star Wars geek and I am not, I've not caught up on The Mandalorian season two yet, but Rosario Dawson, girlfriend to Cory Booker, (laughs) is playing the character Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars TV series. She was Anakin's Padawan learner in that series and now she's grown up on The Mandalorian and I am so gagged and I'm so excited to see what 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 she's been up to drama because didn't people think she died in the um the clone wars people weren't sure she because you know obviously all the jedi were killed because of order 66 spoiler alert in <laughs> star wars episode three right. Derek, are you a star wars person at all i am but not enough to really know <laughs> that's okay all the character names and things that's okay. that's all right I, 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 I haven't watched The Mandalorian yet, but I've heard it's it's quite good. It's quite good. It's, it's a little good. slow. Baby Yoda oh, good. is so cute. Oh, yeah. He's like too cute. They didn't have to make him that cute. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dylan, that's interesting. I'm excited to watch too, because we do love Rosario Dawson. We do. We do. Because of the Rent movie. Because of controversial. <laughs> controversial, but you know what? It was a gateway, almost perhaps Ring of Keys moment into um, I'd say one of them. the arts which we talk all about on the Patreon, plug for our Patreon. But anyway, okay, so my dose of drama is it's the holiday season. We're quarantined in Cleveland. And for the first time in at least a decade, if not more, our family decided to get a real live Christmas tree. And we haven't done it in so long that when we went and we, you know, we, we got it at Costco. We didn't go to like a Hallmark Christmas tree farm kind of scenario. But um we were tying the Christmas tree to the car through the back windows, through the front windows, so tight, tied it down that we actually couldn't enter the car afterwards because the doors <laughs> wouldn't open because they were um, tethered to the roof, to the doors. So we were crawling through windows, seriously so embarrassing. I mean, and it was probably too crowded in this store for this COVID era excursion. Everyone walking by, oh my God, watching our mother catapult through the back window was just, it was, it was gold. It was one of those moments you cannot plan for and you'll never forget. So it was drama though, because the onlookers were, they were obsessed. Well, I thought, are we going to have to cut this off now? Like, are we going to have to do it all over again? I know, but we made it in. We jumped through the- Found a way. Yeah. Uh (laughs) It was hysterical. It was like something out of Christmas vacation. It was very funny. (laughs) That's hilarious. Well, well, congratulations on your first uh, real tree. Thank you. But like- I mean, I mean, real life tree. Yeah, yeah. Not to discourage, you know, <laughs> put a damper on your previous tree. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> but, uh, but there is something like magical about having like pine in your living room. Oh yeah, <sighs> smells great. Yeah, we we we've done a real tree for the past few years, and I grew up with real trees just for like the smell alone. Mm-hmm. It's just like ah, it's Christmas time. Yeah, would you bring yeah. up into <laughs> your apartment? Would you have we to walk did. Up upstairs we, we, and everything? We got our Christmas tree like two days ago. And uh yeah, we definitely I, I definitely did the haul from the from the from the corner lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like one does on the upper west side. <laughs> um yeah, we weren't able to go out and, and go to Christmas tree farm, but we are talking about doing it next year. Oh, um, nice. Okay, is it my turn for the drama? Yeah, you ready? Do you, right, do you have a dose? Yeah, I got a couple doses of drama, and there's so much like worldly drama happening right now so i'm not going to really delve into that but yeah yeah the drama that we're all experiencing is um the tv controller wars <laughs> that are you know if you live with somebody else in your household and my wife uh recently has gotten really into um oh my gosh oh gilmore girls okay yeah she's obsessed not to anything against gilmore girls gilmore girls is a brilliant show it's mm-hmm. it's so good, but <laughs> there are so many episodes of it so that if, if you go on a binge, the binge never ends. Okay, so that's the first <laughs> thing. It's like what I have to ask is she ta- has she started talking fast like the characters in Gilmore Girls now? No, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Luckily, no. Our conversations are not nearly that long. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but what I realized. Um, What's, uh, what's the creator's name? A- Amy Palladino? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was like, I was like, I know this dialogue style from somewhere. And I looked up, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's Miss Maisel. Miss Maisel. <laughs> I was like, these these brilliant, like, family dialogue segments where you cut from one person to the next and it just keeps, like, snaking through a house. Like, 
Oh, She's yeah. just a genius at writing that. It's so difficult. Amazing. Anyway, I just want to watch something else at yeah. times. What would you um, what would you prefer to be watching? Oh gosh. Um we got really into Vikings. Have you I've ever heard watched the show Vikings? I haven't no, seen it. No, I want to. It's really good. I love that. I love good. period stuff it's like that. We love like, Outlander and stuff like that. Oh yeah. My my wife is like a huge Outlander the book fan. Yeah, me too. And, and you know, it's later seasons now. We've gotten less into it. Um, and I yes. think they, they've started to like kind of depart from where the book left. Totally. So we've, we've lost a little bit of interest, kind of like Game of Thronesy. Yeah. We were, we were like, okay, now we're going rogue. Um, <laughs> but, but, so, but we're definitely, yeah, huge Outlander fans, Viking fans. Anyway, Vikings, check it out. It's awesome. I think you can watch it on Amazon or something. Um, but another drama. Okay, so I'm uh, so much drama. Just we love so it. Much TV drama. <laughs> um, no, but uh, have you guys seen Queen's Gambit? Yes. Oh yeah. <gasps> is there is there going to be a sequel? Do you think there's going to be another season? I don't know if I want one. I don't think I want one either. But there are so many like people out there being like, I don't know. Like it's kind of a cliffhanger. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Is she gonna, is they going to do another one? Yeah. But my theory hmm. is I don't think they're going to because. There was so much talk about like that 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 previous chess master that was right. like twenty one and and washed up and like they ended up just like falling off the deep end at, like in their early twenties and he was like are you going to be that person mm-hmm. and then she ended up not being that person right and reestablishing relationships and finding like a new meaning for what she does so I was kind of like I don't think so but what do you guys think? Ooh, interesting you know what i would love is if they do like a like a rocky into creed kind of thing where like 30 years from now we get a follow-up where she's like the the coat like the janitor in the basement but she's the one who's she's the new russian coach she is yeah. she, oh, yeah. <laughs> and she helps some other young young girl i would love a kid a girl just so mean <laughs> <laughs> but that show was so great you know everyone was really hyping it up for me and then i watched it and i was like Oh, it's not like mind blowing TV, but I watched it start to finish and was weeping. And I was like, you know what? Beautiful, beautiful storytelling. Yeah. They told a full story. It was, it was fantastic. I loved it. I remember the ending now that she is sitting at that, that, that that, like the picnic table playing that dude in Russia. It's totally Mm -hmm. going to happen guys. She's not going back. (laughs) She's going to become a Russian coach. You're right. And, you know, I, the symbolism, I'm sure everyone who's listening has watched already. I mean, it's like the number one show, but um, she's wearing like a white outfit and she's got like this hat. She kind of looks like the queen piece. So I think that it's, it's, it's really cool how they ended it like that. Ooh. Yeah. Good one. Love it. Her her style's amazing through that movie too. Oh yeah. She's amazing. All the the people. Yeah. Cool. Really, really, really good. All good doses of drama, Derek. Thank you. Thank you. you. Well, Derek, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're a true delight. And it has been awesome to see you in all of these amazing projects through the years. And now you're nominated for freaking Tony and we are cheering you on for whenever the Tonys may happen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys. Who knows? Thanks so much. Uh, Everyone stay safe and well out there and uh, much love to you guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. It's our honor. Um, Everyone should of course follow Derek at, it's just at Derek Klenna. Uh, Derek underscore Klenna on wow. Instagram because I think somebody took Derek Klenna like off. Oh of jeez! Oh no! That is we'll sad. Have to, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to get the lawyers. On I don't that. know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> awesome! And everybody yeah. follow at the Drama Podcast. Me at Connor McDowell, Dylan at Dylan McDowell, and stay safe, everybody. Yes, thank you again, Derek. We are so so grateful, um, Connor. I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.